you or a loved one have been subject to a Dranith Magistrate, you may be entitled to financial compensation. Side effects include unnecessarily complaining on Twitter, the inability to cast your commander, and overblowing a situation for no reason whatsoever. Chase, I'm going to stop you right there because uh, that is so last week. Uh, we've yeah. already moved on. We're talking about Panharmonicon now. That's fair. Um, but I am afraid of conflict. So we're going to talk about last <laughs> week's <laughs> stuff instead. <laughs> Why don't we just talk about this past year in general? Because we're going to do a 2022 year in review for Commander. Did you like that segue? It was so sick and smooth. It, I, that only took one take, didn't it? <laughs> totally. Totally. We haven't been trying to do this for like eight minutes. No, we haven't. We're professionals. We we just come in and we just like, we know, you know, we 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 just off each other. You know, it's great. We are. We are, in fact, one take Terry's and one take Tammy's. <gasps> one take Terry's. Oh, my God. I love yeah, it. I, I, lo- I anyway. love Terry. Anyways, you love to see it. <laughs> there were a lot of cards that were released this year. There was a lot of discourse this year. There was a lot of actually there weren't any bans this year. Like Commander, despite nothing changing on like mm-hmm. a macro level from the RC and the CAG, changed a ton. And I think that's mm-hmm. I think it's really, really interesting to talk about. So we're gonna talk about that this week. So basically what we're going to do is we're going to talk about some like macro level format things like trends that we've noticed this year. And then we're going to go step by step and talk about a couple of our favorite cards because mm. that's what we're here for. We're here to talk about magic. We're to- here to talk about cards and getting better at magic and getting better at our deck building by playing with the new cards because the new cards are insane. They definitely are. I will say this is definitely a 2022 year in review. I will also say that this year has felt like six. Um, And honestly, when we we were sitting down, jotting down like brief little notes, you told me that there were like, what, four like main sets? Four main sets, four commander (laughs) sets. There was 40K, um, like the 40K commander precons. And then we also had Unfinity, which also like, put another 100 cards in the format technically mm-hmm. and then jumpstart it's a lot Jeez, well hold on there was also jumpstart for each other set too so there's jumpstart 2022 then there was jumpstart for dominaria i remember like there's there's just a lot that has been released this year and there's a lot to go over and we kind of wanted to talk about some of our highs and lows you know thoughts about this year overall the concept of like the story redesign aspects and all around just like our favorite pieces from you know, main sets and supplemental sets mm-hmm. as well. So I, I guess let's like dive right in. Uh, mm-hmm. What are some trends that you noticed for Commander this year? Because there's a few that I certainly grasped onto and the community grasped mm-hmm. onto. I want to mm-hmm. see if we're on the same page here. Yeah. Do you do you want to do you want to say it on the count of three? Like we'll both say it at the same time. Yeah. Okay. So we'll we'll go one, two, three, and then we'll say it. Okay. After okay. three. Okay. 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 One. One. Two. Two. Three. Three. Treasures and goad. Yeah. <laughs> you have goad, and I've noticed some aspects of goad, but treasures are like in the forefront. Tre- of treasures my is like the big thing. Yeah. Goad was big for like a month. It was and big for it, a and month. And then it fell off, and people kind of realized, oh, wait, no, goad is actually good. Goad moves games, yeah. so we don't have three hour long slog fests. 
Yeah, and I, I appreciate Goad. As a Planeswalker player, I appreciate Goad. Because fun fact, Goad uh, can't hit my Planeswalkers. You got to hit my face. And I, for one, love that. <laughs> uh, there are some there are some ways around that. But yeah, you're, you're totally right. You have to attack the players usually. So your Super Friends decks are um, heinously dangerous at a, at a Goad yep. table. And I love, uh, love, love that for myself. I love Live, Laugh, Like. I love live, laugh, lightning, bolting, planeswalkers. <laughs> My heart. But so, yeah, there was a lot of, tre- yeah. there was a lot of treasures. There's a lot of goad. Um, but I mean, if, if we're going to be honest, when we talk about treasures, um, I do think that, you know, like there was, there's been a lot of talk about like, is this the year of treasures? I would say a thousand percent. Yeah. Uh, New Capenna was literally just entirely treasures. Like Baldur's, to a Baldur's Gate just, was also a lot of yes, treasures as well. Yes, it was. I don't know. I here like here's my my hot take on treasures. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're a bad thing. I think what's bad or problematic, I think, is a healthier word. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's mm-hmm. problematic about treasures is there's just not a lot of cards that keep them in check. Yes, I would agree with that. We're seeing some come up, and we'll talk mm-hmm. about that a little bit as we go into some of our pieces. And we've even seen some some people go into um, into Magic's Pass and find good pieces that Me. do deal with treasures. What's that one? Green Enchantment? What's that one? Green Enchantment? Viridian Revel. It's one there and two it green. Whenever an artifact hits an opponent's graveyard, you may draw a card. Mm-hmm. It's a good card. It does a lot. It's not necessarily going to like deal with the treasures. It's just that you're going to piggyback off of other people's docksides mm-hmm. and ancient copper dragons and professional mm-hmm. facebreakers and all that kind of stuff, and just maybe dig you to the answers that actually do deal with the dockside and the treasures and everything like that. So mm-hmm. uh, that's um that's scars of Mirrodin. So that's like a 15 year old card. Yeah. And it's seeing a lot of, I mean, it's seen a huge price increase and for good reason. I built a, um, um, a glissa, the mono green glissa deck for funsies for a little charity stream I did. And I popped that card in there and it, it, it helped actually, it kept a lot of my opponents in check because, um, especially with a lot of the new stuff in brothers war, there's a lot of things that sacrifice artifacts. Yeah. So, I mean, like you could just sacrifice artifacts out, out right, but there's also clues, food, treasures as well all of those things you know will trigger that or trigger something else and it it was just it was really fun can i can i make an addendum to the year of treasures yes it was the year of treasures but it's i would argue it's like the year of artifacts in general Mm -hmm. yeah a lot of it a lot of it so treasure treasures is obviously a cut above the rest of it but when you have Kamigawa, which was really, really artifact based, and Brothers oh, War, yeah. which was really, really artifact based, that's half of the year. Uh, just incredibly based on artifacts, yeah. If not more, because of all the other of all the other sets being treasure focus. So yeah, which I I find really fascinating now that you kind of bring that up because I mean in Brothers War we see a lot of really good um, artifact creatures with like an Earth and, and abilities like mm-hmm. that with the mana fixing. I find fascinating. Um, New Capenna has nothing but treasures. Um, Neon Dynasty, tons of equipment, but also the the concept of reconfigure I thought was yeah. also a very fun way to kind of add a balance to it that I really enjoyed. <laughs> I find that to be really fascinating, um, which I guess also kind of ties into our concept of like our our highs and lows for this year because um, 
it's weird because treasures are simultaneously a high and a low for me. Yeah, um, I, I would agree. It's weird. It's weird because I, actually this this was the year that I built my Cedrus Treasures deck. Um, and there are a lot of pieces in that deck that are new cards. In fact, I think that deck is majority new pieces. Which, which is awesome, the, though, because oh, the yeah. new cards were able to breathe new light into a really old, old commander. commander. Yes. And just completely exactly. reimagine it. The interesting thing for me with treasures in particular is um, it almost invalidated a lot of uh, different land hate and a lot of different um, mm -hmm. a lot of different effects that would normally keep a green deck in check. You know, as, as a mm -hmm. green player, I've noticed a lot of Thalia, uh, Blood Moon, mm -hmm. Back to Basics, all that kind of stuff kind of doesn't really matter anymore because there's there's a lot of treasure. You have so much treasure to make up for all these different effects. Yeah. That concept is even bled into CEDH where people have started cutting Blood Moon and Contagion and like all that kind of stuff from their decks because mm -hmm. there's just treasure and mana, like tons and tons of mana rocks now that it doesn't matter. Yeah. Your 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 mana base is, is kind of outside itself, which is very mm -hmm. interesting. Um, and I find that oftentimes, you know, I don't really worry as much about, you know, um, board wipes or anything like that because catching up is so easy. Yeah. Um, which, I mean, not bad, but like, no. it's weird. It's different. It's new, you know? At the same time, like, I think, like, I've never seen a Stony Silence or a Yasharn at a casual table until this year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just to keep treasures and artifacts and everything like that in check. Yeah. I'm not complaining at all. Like I think it's I think it's time. If you don't want to run removal, that's another way to to keep that kind of stuff mm. in check. I don't know. I feel like this is me jumping the gun a little bit, but like there are pieces within, you know, my Cedrus deck where like normally in in literally in any other deck it wouldn't be too much of a problem, but because of the high inclusion of of treasures, these pieces mm. are are quite literally lethal on the board. Yeah. For instance, a couple pieces just come to mind, uh Tezzeret, Master of the Bridge. That is a one-shot kill. If you have enough treasures, murder on the board. Cyber Drive Awakener, Kappa Cannoneer, those are all Blastoise rise and shine. So cool. It's they're so good. If I like didn't have a deck that like played artifacts, treasures, all that kind of stuff, Blastoise would be like one of my favorite cards this year. Oh, it's phenomenal. It's it's such a good card. It triggers itself when it ETBs, it gets bigger. I, I mean, I, I mean, it has it has what? Uh, it's not. Is it convoke? I don't think it's convoke. Is it improvise? Improviser affinity. Yeah, something like that. My brain. I don't have it pulled up in front of me, but little little turtle. It's like a blue artifacts matter card that moves the mm -hmm. game along. Whereas normally, like artifact decks are known to be dirtily, and artifact decks this yes. year got aggressive. Yeah, it has improvise, and it also has ward. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's that's right. another that's thing. Right. That's another ward. thing we've seen an increase of ward. Lot of ward this year. Ward or hype, like if a card is hexproof, it's like super specific. Yes. Like um, I saw a card on stream the other day where its ward cost was like ward X, where X is the number of experience counters you have. Oh yeah. Like, what? That's, uh, that's printed. <laughs> what? Uh, that was from Baldur's Gate. It's uh, uh, an Orzhov yeah. legend. Uh, there's also like uh, there's the black artifact creature, the mythic from from Brothers War. Mm -hmm. I'm really bad at card <laughs> names, if you can't tell. Um, but it, <laughs> its ward ability is pay life equal to its power. Yeah. 
which is insane. Do you want to pay a quarter of your life to target it with something? That's Mm -hmm. up to you to decide. Yeah. It's just, it's very fascinating to see kind of these trends over the course of, of of two years to a year. I will say as like a, a, like a final parting word on treasure. Mm Mm-hmm game designers at wizards and everything like that have kind of said like we're gonna cool it on the treasures like Mm -hmm. this year like it just thematically worked with the sets that we happen to do this year yes and i'm glad i'm glad they're doing thematically (laughs) like i mean we're still gonna see treasure cards like that's inevitable but not to the degree that we've seen so if Mm -hmm. you're not a treasure fan these upcoming releases in 2023 aren't going to have as much. So you're in luck. Huzzah. Huzzah indeed. <sighs> that was a high for both of us. What what was a yeah. low for you? Um, I've, I've talked about this quite publicly um, on, on a couple of podcasts and on Twitter too. Um, the entirety of Infinity was a major low for me, unfortunately. And I, I don't like talking uh, <laughs> negatively about products because um, I don't like to not like something. I know that sounds like weird, but like you, you know, like when you start to like get into, into what we do, like you really know the passion and love that goes behind the creation of these sets and, and everything like that. Like you can see it, it's palpable. Um, and it, it makes you sad because you're like, wow, this was a really big flop for me. The flavor of it's like right up your alley too. Oh yes. I love, I love the circus clowns. I, I, back in the day, I used to actually make my own, like, um, like I would like design my own magic cards and some of them were clown like I made clowns it was a big top theme set I made up my own uh mm-hmm. back in my old uh old house <laughs> for fun so I had a really big excitement when I found out this was going to be like a carnival theme set and it was just flop after flop after flop for me and it was really heartbreaking because like the removal of silver border was in my opinion it, it put the nail in the coffin before we even saw the set yeah that was a big 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 issue the 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 instances of stickers the, the fact that it didn't really feel like a joke set. And I know that they were trying to make it, you know, a set. Marketable that, for Commander yeah. players and Eternal players. And just... It just didn't do it. I think it just got... It got too complicated too quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that that was... You know, no fault of the designers and anything like that. It's just... It's just hard to keep track of things. And yeah, like you said... I think it really was. They kept the silver border instead of doing the acorn stamp. Mm-hmm. And then... I don't, I don't know. It, it'd be hard to collate silver border cards with black border cards if they did still mm-hmm. want to have some like eternal legal cards in there. Yeah. Because I don't foresee Commander just blanket legalizing silver border cards. I don't see that either. So I get why they did it the way they did it. You know, they, yeah. they wanted to market the set to a particular group of people. And people mm. bought it. Like people, people loved the galaxy foil stuff. People loved the mm. the shock lands, the, and shocks, the, ba- the yeah. basic lands. You know, the the lands are always the big thing for unsets, and those were those were an absolute home run. Yeah, it, it's it's sad to me that my favorite part of Infinity were the basics. Like that's a bummer. There is one card that I really, really liked from Infinity, mm-hmm. and it wasn't Space Jace because I've been considering Space Jace for um, Celebrity Deathmatch. Okay. There's this okay. enchantment, and you like you count the number of creatures that you have, 
and you put an ascending number of counters on or sorry it's not counters you put an ascending number like plus plus one plus one and so on until oh yeah yeah you yeah. have like it's all of parade. your creatures yeah it's the parade enchantment that's a very good one that's also a legal spell that you can play too yes, as well yes it's very delightful i do like that card a lot i i put it in my jetmir animated lands deck so that i could hit people with like 55 55 pieces of dirt and it was it was worth every penny it was worth all like mm -hmm. 18 cents for the card yeah, it's still dirt cheap, and it's a fantastic card for your tokens deck. It is commander legal. It's very fun. Yeah, it's just a ton of bookkeeping. You just got to make sure you have a good count. Know the top end and like what cards are going to get the big buffs at the top end, mm -hmm. and then just yeah. figure out the rest. Chances are it's going to finish the game or try to, yeah, so it doesn't really matter where the numbers go. It's just going to make big numbers, mm -hmm. which yeah, big numbers go burr, and that, go that excites me. Um, so what was a low for you? I didn't build as many decks as I thought I was going to this year. Mm. Uh, mm. We kind of talked about it last week. Um, yeah. There were a lot of really, really, really cool legendary creatures. There were over 400 legendary creatures this printed this year. And they were all mechanically unique and did different things or like gave a color combination, something new that they haven't been able to do much but I, mm. I like I only built two commanders from this past year. Whereas like mm. I, I know like you, granted, you build a new commander every week that every is week. topical, etc. Decks in general that you play in paper, I feel like you built a whole bunch of new decks in paper with newer commanders. And our a lot of our friends did as well. And mm. not just because a lot of our friends are creators and creators are kind of, you know, the ones to build the new stuff so people can watch the new stuff. Just yeah, nothing. On, only a few things really stood out to me to make me want to build them. For, for me, I, I find that really interesting because I if I did not have my deck building stream, I would not probably have half the decks that I have full honesty, because like when I saw Kadric as a card, I didn't go. This intrigues me. I was like, ooh, uh, it looks cool. Let's attempt to brew it on stream. And we brewed it on stream and then I fell in love with it and brewed it in paper. Same yeah. thing that same thing to go with Alibu back in the day. You literally like went out the next day and bought all the I cards did. for Kadric. I did. Because you had Kadric, <laughs> like you brewed it Tuesday on, on the stream yeah. and then you played it that Thursday because I, I was there for that like inaugural yeah. <laughs> Kadric stream. Uh, yeah, it was it was amazing. It was, it was absurd. It was the coolest, like one of the cooler decks that I've seen this whole year. Oh, it's fun. I love it. It's unique and different, but like, you know, brewing, brewing takes a lot and like yeah. inspiration, inspiration takes a lot, which is why I'm thankful. I have like a literally, like a literally forced avenue of creativity. Mm -hmm. Not like someone's telling me you have to stream or you're blah, blah, blah. But like I do it because I like it. And I know that I'm going to get something out of it. And like half my decks have come from that stream, whether they're from this year or last year. But I, I tend to brew a lot of weird stuff because I have that stream. Well, and you're also getting suggestions from Twitter as to what to build yes, as well. So, so you're not actually picking it yourself. So you're being forced nope. to get out of your comfort zone that much more. Yep. Now you can't build every you can't build every Boros commander every week. You can't build every <laughs> Is it commander every week. One day I will. <laughs> but until then, we're gonna Old do new strategy, stuff that makes me Cotton. I'm hoping that pans out for you. Yeah. Uh, I, like I, I only built two 
two new commanders this year. Granted, like my favorite deck from this year, like outside of the artist proof deck, like that's obviously got an, an like an inherent bias towards it was a new commander mm-hmm. and it was from a from a set that you didn't really vibe with that much either yeah uh what set is that <laughs> i think i know what set dominaria united yeah that set is it was a set i have this very <laughs> healthy way of engaging with magic where yeah i just i go through the cards i find like the eight to twelve that i really really like I yeah. pick those up, I put them into some decks, or in the case of uh, General Marhalt Els Dragon, I go out of my way to build it because it makes two of my favorite cards of all time super playable and amazing, so I gotta build it. Yeah. See, wh- it, it's not that I didn't like Dominaria United, it's, it's just for me... It, it, at a certain point, some of the sets started to kind of bleed together. Yeah. Like for a, and I know, and I don't mean that as like a funny haha. This is a joke. Like genuinely, um, I forgot Domin- Dominaria United happened, and I had skipped straight ahead to Brothers War, um, completely forgetting that. I I would say a big thing behind that is, uh, just all the global shipping problems, mm-hmm. um, just kind of forced all of these sets to be released within like four weeks of each other, three weeks of each other. Yeah. Cause like yeah. the 40 K commander decks and infinity got pushed to the same weekend as each other. I remember that. And then, um, Dominara United was like two or three weeks after that. Like everything just yeah. came super, super, super quickly because the schedule just had to change. So it's, it's no one's fault. The oh, initial, yeah. the initial plan was for everything to be good. Every, you know, there was going to be a, a reasonable amount of time between everything so that bit of fatigue it's not even wizards problem either they had to find a new printer oh wow so we were like that was that set was supposed to happen in april so we were going to have infinity and then a month month and a half later we were going to get new capenna like which would have been great we would have we would had a month month and a half between all the sets I do want to say that in a in a recent weekly MTG, um, it was announced, um, I believe by 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 Blake, and you, you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, but I'm pretty sure it was by Blake saying that you know Wizards has been hearing us talking about like product fatigue and everything yeah. like that. And I will say this: I really appreciated him saying that. I really appreciated him saying, "Hey, listen, some of these products are years in advance, which is a thousand percent true. These have been in development for a long time. You can only do so much when it comes to release dates like this." Mm-hmm. And so, even them, I remember him saying specifically, you know, you know like the the new Phyrexian set is going to be delayed by like a week. That's that's a pretty big deal, you know, yeah. because finding that much wiggle room in a, in um, a timeline set out years in advance, you know, is is a lot. And I think that's a really good thing. And it's good to also have them say, "Hey, we hear you. This is a lot," yeah. because you know. Um, it has been a lot. And I think, you know, it's just been a number of different things that have been outside of their control and our control. But I definitely think, you know, Infinity being not in April was a big contributor yeah. to this. Because, you know, it wasn't supposed to be released when it did, but it just it had to happen no. that way. They on Infinity, the, the hype for Infinity got killed by the Warhammer uh, Commander decks yes. because the Warhammer Commander decks were so superb. Good. Like stupendous one of the best standalone products ever released by wizards if yes. you if you ask me yes. like a the flavor was a home run because clearly like they they put in they the effort re- they put in the time yeah. 
they put in the time they made four like really awesome decks with some really unique cards and cards with designs we've never seen before like there's what 140 new cards in in that set or something ridiculous possibly and like i could i could ooh and ah about cards from that set all day mm-hmm. yeah actually this is a high for me with um with all of these sets I feel like every time I go and look at a set and try and like dig for gold for a deck that I'm working on or a deck that I'm trying to refine with a friend, I'm always mm-hmm. finding a new card uh, that's perfect for one of the decks that I'm working on uh, I've from, noticed the, that. from the sets that came out <laughs> yeah. this year. New Capenna and Warhammer more than the other sets, mm-hmm. but I'm always like I'm always finding that perfect card yes. from one of the sets released this year. That I've either never seen before or it was like, oh, wait, that's a new card. I totally forgot about this card. I love that feeling. Mm-hmm. I absolutely love that feeling. There, There is a hallmark, in my opinion, of a product being good when you I you don't want to change it. And mm-hmm. when it comes to the Warhammer precons, I bought them specifically originally. I bought them because I was like, oh, these reprints are going to be fantastic. They're going to be fabulous. I'll put them in some of my decks. I'll have some good reprints and then I'll have some fun little, little, a fun little carcass that I can do whatever I wish with later. Yeah. Um, I refuse to take these decks apart. In fact, I am not going to. I never will. I would rather buy the single of the reprint again than take this deck apart because they're that well made. They're that well made. They're they're fun. They're unique. They're flavorful. They introduce me to a world and lore I don't understand. And it's just the synergies. It's just it felt fresh. It felt very, very, very fresh, which after the year we've had, it was quite surprising to find a product that felt so fresh in the midst of such a big product overload for, for yeah. consumers. A low for me, though, another low. There's no artist proofs of them. There's not? Yeah, the there's no artist proofs for any universes beyond cards at all. Uh, IP licensing. Makes sense to me. Makes sense, but... Um, it would have been cool to get a couple like of proofs of them. Yeah, it would have been cool. Yeah, one day. It, it is what it is. What is cool, though, transition. Mm-hmm. We got more no, Praetors. Sorry, Praetors. Yep. Yes, and Praetor. They, like, the three that we got this year, like, run the gamut in terms of, like, how much people loved them or hated them. And I yes. think there's, like, flagship cards in every set. You know, you could go through every set and say, like, you know, like, this is the, quote-unquote, pushed mythic to sell packs or whatever. No, no, no. They're just, they're cool cards. I think it's good that we're getting push cards. It gets people excited. Mm-hmm. I just wish that it necessarily wasn't Praetors. The idea of the Praetors is like you get a huge advantage and your opponents get a big disadvantage inherently. Yes. And yes. the three that we got this year and Elish Norn to come next year are mm-hmm. potentially polarizing. They're very, very cool. And I don't think that they're a big deal. They're not. They're absolutely not ban worthy. Oh, agree. They just weren't needing to save an extra removal spell every once in a while, or they, like. They f- Is it weird that I think that they feel a little nastier yeah. than the old ones? Oh, they absolutely they, there's, are. There's, there's like there's like a little bit of a snap to them. I can't I can't describe it, but it's like it's just like 
they're not they're not again you, you're correct they're not band worthy but like when you look at them you're like you know just like a hair you want to know what it is what they're not outright nasty enough that they self-police themselves out of the format like old yeah. gin and old vornclex you hardly ever see at a command nope table. not for me i play old gin i'll i know i always <laughs> i play old gin sorry i'm i'm a, I'm a monster Okay, so like you're the only one that plays old gin. I like I hardly ever see old Vornclex. Yeah, I, I don't see him either. Frankly, I don't really see old Shieldred that much either. I see old Shieldred a lot, but only in specific graveyardy decks. You know, she's a, she's a specific build. Whereas like these newer ones are like just nice enough, just rounded out enough. Mm-hmm. That they don't self-select themselves out of the format. So you do see them. You do see them a whole bunch. Is it weird that I kind of feel the opposite? I feel a little bit the opposite. And you know, and and like Explain your work. Um the it's it's weird because their their abilities feel more pointed to mm-hmm. me than the other ones do. Like, um, I, I honestly I would say with the exception of Vorinclex, because Vorinclex's old uh, original um, ability being with the lands felt very personal because you know people are very touchy with their yeah. lands and their mana yeah. bases and commander. But everything else, like they, these, just feel a little bit more pointed in in what they do in their abilities. Like with Elish Norn, you know the original Elish Norn, you get a minus two, minus two. That doesn't necessarily really impact your board state because if you can you can still play the thing and get the benefit but like the thing can mm-hmm. will die yeah but with like the new elish norn that etb benefit you don't get it so like it instead of having you know a benefit with a body it's it's just nothing and it just feels kind of it feels bad in a sense the yeah. new gin countering stuff feels really bad but I it's only a, it's a only the game. first one and it's for it is it's for but... all players so if yeah. you know that you need to get the board wipe through, you ask someone else like, hey, do you have something to pop gin so that I can get the mm-hmm. wipe that we need through to take care of this? Mm-hmm. You know, st- it's stuff like that. It does uh, just feel a little bit more pointed to me. I mm-hmm. mean, especially with the new Shieldred too. I played in a game where um, where I I stole somebody's Shieldred and then they copied it. And then somebody copied their copy. So we had three shields yeah. down on the field. And it was awful. It was yeah. brutal. It was just da 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 every single turn. It was intense. It was I intense. I was playing a game with Olivia uh, the other night. And we had two of the new gins in play. Mm-hmm. And you would think, oh, wow, like that's that's crazy. But here's the thing. Both of the gins still only care about the first total spell cast that turn. Yeah. They don't look at two different first spells because there's only ever one first. Yeah. So it like it it genuinely wasn't that bad. Um the the Praetor that I don't hear anybody talking about at all. Urbrask? Yeah, yeah. No one's talking about Urbrask. I I'm yeah. one of the people I've started playing it a little bit more. I really like it. Is it good? I haven't fiddled with it. It blanks your opponent's first draw each turn. Yeah. So unless you have like that extra Phyrexian arena or um, an extra way to draw extra cards each turn, mm. the card you draw for turn, you have to use it that turn. Otherwise, you don't get it. Yeah. 
So it creates this like very interesting sense of urgency with all of your cards. Uh, hmm. If you're only drawing the one card per turn and you get an impulsively drawn second card each turn, you exile an extra card. So for, you know, for a red deck or even a Boros deck, like that's extra card advantage that you get temporarily. But mm. you're probably built in such a way that like whatever you're exiling off the top, you want to be casting whenever whenever you get it anyway. So. That's typically how I feel. It's it's why because I've seen him. I looked at him actually for that that uh, Praetor charity that I was do, uh, that I played in. I had almost built Urabras just because I'm a red player by heart. You know, mm -hmm. I was like, he's he's the red Praetor. He's the only kind of thing that's speaking to me here. Took a look at him and I was like, mm. and then I built Mono Green. Weirdly enough, but like I can um, I can see the interest and intrigue behind that. Maybe I just need to like fiddle with it a little bit more because there have been a lot of cards this year that have at first glance underwhelmed me but then when i actually take a crack at it i find that there's something actually there it's just that perception i have is just kind of blocking me off from it this year cards have gotten wordier but yes they have it, at this in the same token they have also gotten very intentional with their wording and yeah. as you know as someone who likes to dissect card design and lean into non-traditional ways of brewing decks or utilizing cards and stuff like that it's been a treasure trove this whole year you know all but these <laughs> all these different um all these different card designs and it's made me go back and look at older cards and find. Oh, yes. I, I wouldn't even say like find a loophole with the card but like reading the card only explains yeah. part of the card you have to read between the lines with a lot of these cards and oh, yeah one if you do you get this like this extra level up moment um, and i love that i love that it's so exciting i'll use najila as as an example because najila is like you could we could do a whole section of this show of like trends for this year like <laughs> yeah. najila has been especially recently this whole like she's the greatest commander ever printed there's no such thing as a casual najila deck if there was no partners in CEDH, like she would be the de facto commander that you would play and, you know, all mm -hmm. this kind of stuff. She is worded very specifically. There's no use of the word you, your, or you control or anything like that. You can use mm -hmm. all of her abilities for your opponents. And that just blew so many people's minds because they're so used to playing this card yes. in such a specific certain way. And yeah. People have had this like eye-opening moment with so many different cards over the last year from the last um, that have been printed in like the last five or six years. And it's it's been so cool to see for me. I, I had that with Kadrick. I know I keep hammering home about Kadrick, but I had that with Kadrick when I first fiddled with him in the pre-con. Um, I it, it took me a minute to realize uh that it said uh, legendary permanent. Is it permanent? Yeah. <laughs> so um there have been games where I was able to get two Nick Thoses. You can get two legendary Disgusting. enchantments, and I was able to keep two Nykthoses. It's just so yeah. insane. Like that to me is so fun, and and the wording with that leads to such intricate uh, to brews that you just wouldn't believe because you you typically see non land things mm -hmm. or you know creature like legendary creature, but like the permanent part was yeah. fascinating because it opened me up to a new thing. Yeah, that like that's how you got your planeswalker deck. Yes. Like you've been on a planeswalker kick this whole year. Like you are a super friends player now. Yes, I am. You used to <laughs> you used to be the redheaded aggro player. I'm still there. We're just adding white to the mix for some reason. I you're don't know. At, you're adding white and you're adding planeswalkers. So 
I love it. Yeah. You can still be aggressive with 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 uh, walls of meat that don't move. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's kind of what a planeswalker is. They yeah, don't move, basically. but you can do something with it. But it's just it's so fascinating to see that. Or um, I don't know, being able to find that little aha moment, like you talked about. I don't know. We could talk about this forever, but like those little aha moments that you have with deck building is just yeah. <sighs> I have people who will who will look at a card I run and they just kind of write it off, but they when you kind of see it in action, it it blows up. Like for me, that's repeated reverberation. Yeah. Uh, every time I show people you my list, they're card. like, "Why are you running this?" It copies instants and sorceries, and I'm like, "There is a third line of text there, my friend." That says loyalty abilities, and typically I run that in Chandra. But the other night on stream, I played it and ultimated my Elspeth and got three emblems that said creatures I control get two two and flying. So all my creatures got plus six six and flying. From a random red rare from two years ago from a core set. And it's just so good to have those little like, oh, moments. Like it's when you discover it, it's so exciting. Do you want to do our rapid fire exercise, so to say? Yes, I would love to. To to close the show. So we have gone through every main set and every commander set. So Mm -hmm. all the accompanying commander sets and then Baldur's Gate. And we've both have picked a main set card and a commander card that like really stood out to us and arguably became a trend setter somewhere. So it's mm-hmm. still kind of like on theme for this like macro level trend thing that we kind of kind of talked about this whole show. Mm-hmm. So the first set is Kamigawa Neon Dynasty. Delightful set. I think we should do on a count of three, we'll say our main set card, talk about it. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. on a count of three, we'll say our commander card and then give a sentence or two why we liked it or why we think cool. it's like a groundbreaking card. Yeah. So main set on a count of three, one, yeah. two, three, Kodama of the West Street. I love this card too. And it's like the most popular card in all the other formats. Oh, I'm I'm obsessed with it. Um, I run it in my um, my Citrus Treasures deck, which is uh, going to be quite a few pieces on this list, uh, uh, unfortunately. But I really like it just because Fable of the Mirror Breaker is just such a very fun um, in, in, enchantment in red that that accumulates value in a very fun and in fun mm. in fun and fun and fun way. <laughs> but like you get like a little um, goblin. I like that you were able to get the treasure without making contact. A lot of yeah. uh, treasure focused pieces that specifically focus on combat have you make contact with your opponent. Um, so I think off the top of my head, professional face breaker is one. Another one is the, um, the grim hireling and, and, the copper and stuff dragon. like that. That's a copper big one. dragon. And then you have that um, that uh, red blue enchantment from like Ixalan. We also make contact um, too. Storm the Vault, I believe it's called. Yeah, I like that you don't need to make contact with this. It gives you really good card draw. I also like that it kind of lets you control how many cards you discard. That's just for mm-hmm. me fun. But my favorite thing is is specifically because of um, <laughs> the back, the flip. I love the flip. Oh, of course, it's a kiki. Yeah, because I get uh, I get double double dockside. I get mm-hmm. double copper dragon. I get double um, that uh, that that uh, that one uh, black creature from Neon Dynasty that says when it ETBs, you may sacrifice a creature. If you do, you get that many treasure tokens equal to its ruthless technomancer. Ruthless technomancer. Gotcha. I'm able to do fun, weird, 
weird stuff with it. I really like it and you become a problem and it's very cheap to get that token too, but you do have to wait. And I like that. It's just, it's just a fun, fresh little saga. And I don't typically like sagas, but I have two sagas on my list for a little rapid fire, but I love this card. I think it's interesting for all the cards that we, um, that we picked, we basically pick cards that we play. Yeah. Or like want to build around at some point, maybe. Oh yeah. It's just, that's how it is for me. I, I don't, I don't play what I don't like, or I don't, I can like things, but I typically prefer to like do things that have like a hands-on experience with them. Yeah. For me. What about you? You said what, Kodama? Yeah. The Kodama from East, West, Weast. Weast Wumbo? The Kodama from Neon Dynasty that says, uh, if a modified creature deals combat damage, go get a basic land from your deck into play tapped. That would, that would be the West tree. Yeah, this is this year was like my basic land renaissance. <laughs> like in, it's almost like he wrote an article about this last week that was heavily inspired I, by a conversation that we had. My basic land renaissance is uh, a people aren't running a lot of basic lands to begin with, and uh, like we said, blood like just because treasures exist and ki- have kind of made blood moon and all those different kinds of cards worse, doesn't mean that mm-hmm. people aren't running them to begin with. So what do you do? You run basic lands. They don't get affected by any of that kind of stuff. A lot of budget decks in particular as well lean heavily on basic lands because it's the easiest the easiest place to cut costs on your deck is to play basic lands. You don't play don't play dual lands or anything like that. You save so much money so that you have more money elsewhere in your budget for other cooler cards. Yeah. But the secret with the secret with basic lands is a lot of the ramp effects care about basic lands. So you just run a lot of them. And a lot of them reward you for doing things that Kodama does, where it's just like, play the game, be aggressive, make things happen, and then you just also happen to ramp alongside of it. And Kodama was just this fundamental like level up moment for me that made me realize that, like, hey, like we should be doing this more often because this is really, really good. Yeah. I literally cannot build an aggressively leaning green deck without that Kodama now. It's become that cornerstone kind of card for me. Um, regarding my commander commander deck choice. Mm-hmm. Um that this is I think it I think it is the only let me look at my list. I think this is the only blue card I have. Yeah, <laughs> it's the only blue card. Um, I think both of us have uh, on our list. Or no, it's just I, me. I, I have um, two blue cards on my list, actually. Okay, you have two. I have one. Mine is Cyberdrive Awakener. Uh, this is affectionately so referred to by the community as Mono Blue Crater Hub. I cannot agree more. Oh, um, yeah. I run this in my Cedrus Treasures deck, and it is my finisher. I don't like to win with Revel and Riches in that deck, although I do run Revel and Riches within my Cedrus deck. I like to win aggressively with Treasures through things like Cyberdrive Awakener or Kappa Cannoneer or even Rise and Shine. But Cyberdrive Awakener is my choice from the precon because it is it is a house, it is a finisher, and it makes me feel aggressive in blue which is very difficult for me to do. I love yeah, this card. It's, it's very difficult for a lot of people to do. Yeah. What about your commander choice, pre-con choice? I picked the dog, Yoshimaru. The, boy. the good boy. I have not built a Yoshimaru partner deck. I'm not, mm-hmm. I am not a fan of partner. 
but I have put Yoshimaru into a bunch of my decks because I love like legendary matters decks. And Yoshimaru oh, yeah. is like, to me, the quintessential legendaries matters one drop. Also, it's a dog. Okay. Like, yeah, he's a good boy. But let's move on to new Kapana. Woo. On a count of three for the main set. For the main set. All right. Yeah. One, two, three. Luxor. Rabble rousing. See, I'm surprised that you didn't pick Luxior for, for your pick. I like Luxior a lot. I do. For me, it's not explosive like I, I would want it to be. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of my pieces that I've chosen are kind of explosive pieces or pieces that are really synergistic. And while I really like Luxior, I am. It's how I am. <laughs> if I could go back and change my brand, it would be like redhead aggro or something. But like, yeah. I, I love I love Luxior, but it just doesn't feel explosive enough to me. Whereas Rabble Rousing is a very explosive enchantment. Yeah. And I used to do a lot of token decks back in the day. I have never seen an enchantment literally say, what if you just not never worried about combat? Never worried about combat because you can swing entirely out at a person and not have to worry about blockers because if you swing 30, congrats, 30 blockers. That's just insane to me. That is literally insane to me. And I love it so much. It's just such a fun card. Well, here's the crazy thing with Rabble Rousing. Rabble Rousing is hideaway. Yeah. It also gets you a free card like a turn or two yep. later. It's a free card and it's worth a dollar. It replaces your entire... Like, I don't see how that's not... it insane i love it for me luxior was to go back to one of my themes earlier luxior was a real like read between the lines sort of card yeah and specifically it was read between the lines because of jared Carthalian, the um the wooberg face commander from dominaria yep jared the minus ability lets you put counters on a creature for each color that it is well if you put luxior on jared and then use the minus ability and target Jared. Because of Luxior, that minus ability is essentially giving Jared plus 10 plus 10. I, th- I just I thought that was like the weirdest, quirkiest thing. And I've been obsessed with this card, trying to find like every cool use for it ever since. And oh, like yeah. every day I just find something new with it. Those are my absolute favorite cards of all time. Because until the end of time, there will always be something new and weird that you can do with Luxior. It's the it's yeah. literally the card that keeps on giving. Let's do the commander set. This is where things yeah. get spicy because New Capata Commander was literally my favorite set of the year. There's okay, so many cards. It was it was so hard to pick a card here. For me, mine's kind of mine's kind of like you look at it and you go, okay, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, mine is resourceful defense. Yeah, um, that makes sense. Planeswalkers, loyalty counters. It's so great because it's like Ozolith, but for your loyalty counters. And it's so, sa- it's it saves me. And you can move the counters whenever. So there's a lot of like weird, quirky, read between the lines things that you can you can do with mm-hmm. it. Like, I, I totally see what you mean with this. Yeah, you can, you can save one of your Planeswalkers mid-combat. If somebody's swinging like 13 at your car and you go, oops, five moving all my counters. You can also move counters over onto a new Planeswalker and immediately alt it. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Repeatably at instant speed, yep. which is so insane to me. It is. Yeah. And I think the reason why it slept on is unfortunately because it's a white card. Yeah. Like it, it's 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 four dollars, which is pretty good, you know, considering. But like, it, I, I think it could be more. 
my commander card is protection racket. I talked about it last week. It's like my favorite yes, card of the did. whole year. Yes, you did. You love that card. It's Sylvan Library meets Extortion. Uh, and I, I just I love the suspense and the memorable moments that it creates at a table. I love that they've leaned into this direction of um, life loss and life manipulation for Black's card draw. It's like it's made it so much more interesting than just Necropotence or um, Demonic Tutor or Razakath and like all that kind of stuff. Like there is yeah. suspense. There is politics. There is table talk involved with all of this and with protection racket in particular because your different opponents see the cards and they see the board state while they see the cards if i flip over a card like say supreme verdict and we know we need the board wipe Mm -hmm. if the person flipping over the supreme verdict also wants the board wipe to happen they're inclined to give you the Mm -hmm. board wipe but if the person with the best board state and the one who doesn't want the board wipe to happen is the Mm. one that's flipped on supreme verdict they are very 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 incentivized to not let you get that card and and lose the four life like i love that dynamic that depending on the seat that you are at the table your decision might change i was gonna say some of the best moments in my opinion are when and this is gonna sound really funny but i think it's the, the best moments with that card are the most simplistic wherein someone goes do you want to pay zero life or do you want me to get this land? <laughs> With the way that I have Celebrity Deathmatch built at this point, uh, I I love the game of, hey, Chase. Yeah. Do you, you want to let me have this land or would you like to lose zero? Um, I would like to lose zero. Hey, Andy. Can I have Rise of the Dark Realms or would you like to lose nine? Just immediately after that. <laughs> like I lo- It's so I lo- funny. I love that. They printed so many cards this year that just fit this bill of they create memorable, engaging moments. I don't think a year of magic has ever had this high of a volume of cards like that before. I couldn't agree more. Genuinely. I think we're we're experiencing this this interesting uh shift right now. Like we're in a very interesting in-between phase. Mm-hmm. And uh I'm I'm nervous but excited to see how it goes. Oh yeah. Speaking of nervous but excited, let's talk about the set that we both were kind of like medium on. Yeah. Like that segue. Dominaria United. You want to do main set or you want to do commander set first? Uh, let's do main set first, okay? Because mine, mine, mine for these are, it's going to be so brief because they're so self-explanatory. Sure, yeah, go go for it. What right. do you got? Uh, Urza assembles the Titans is my second exception to the saga rule I have because I don't like sagas. Um, what can I say about this card that I don't love? I'm obsessed with this card. It is a planeswalker card. It is perfection. It's perfection for planeswalkers. Because if you're struggling to find a planeswalker, it gets you a planeswalker. If you have a planeswalker in your hand that's a little too expensive, you put it into play. Or if you're just feeling a little bit, a little excited, you can just just get double activations of your planeswalkers. And the cool thing about it is it has read ahead. So you can pay five mana to just do the last ability and don't do anything else. Yeah. And that is so much fun. Love it. There, there's so much combo potential with that card. And there's oh, yeah. um, there's the Saga Commander from Kamigawa 
that removes counters from sagas so you could do yes. stuff like that over and over again what about yours my main set card was braids really because again going back to my logic with protection racket it just creates a point of engagement and a point of conversation at some points a difficult decision i did i did not expect that from you genuinely i i i know that i'm literally staring at your list Mm -hmm. right now physically in front of me but i just didn't see that that is a weird surprise i didn't expect you to go for braids i love cards that make the table talk and braids was a card from that set that like really gets a table talking it really gets a table making decisions and i like the fact that it's opt-in so yeah <laughs> surprising but when you think about it it makes sense definitely now, sashaying into the uh, commander precons for, for this set, I will have to say, light of my life, fruit of my loom, it's Kadric. Kadric. I love him. Oh, He's no. So good. I'm so surprised. Who could have <laughs> ever seen this coming? My card is very selfish. Uh, it's General Marhal Elsdragon. I mentioned it earlier in, in the show. Yes, you did. It literally makes, quote unquote, the worst mechanic of all time a good mechanic. So it makes Rampage a like good, cool mechanic. I, I feel like you and Dana have a lot in common because uh, I edited the EDH Recast podcast. And um, oh, he Dana loved, he has loved nothing this card. But, he has nothing but nice things to say about General Marhal. Like all the time. I think it's been like three episodes in a row that he's brought up this card. It makes you read between the lines. It's like what cards get better the bigger they get, even if they die. So if you have Marhal and these different cards in play and they happen to be blocked and they still die. You just get that much more stuff. General Marhal Elsdragon is also a card that makes two of my favorite cards of all time, absolute all-stars and like hallmark centerpieces of the deck. Mm. That's Nakatal War Pride and Stone Tongue Basilisk. These are just like weird old cards that like really weren't played. They have like super niche effects. I love them. And Marhal Elsdragon makes them super playable and like some of the best cards in the deck. It's also very exciting to see uncommon commanders get love and appreciation too, especially within this year. We've seen a lot of uncommon commanders um, get attention, get bruised, get decks, get high on get a, the popularity get a, list. Like a sub format of commander yes. with like the whole artisan renaissance that Kess has kind of pushed. Love it. Go Kess. Go yeah, Kess. Seriously, artisan. Though. I love artisan. But it's absolutely fantastic. This has been my like, I know last week I kind of said I didn't really brew a lot of the new commanders uh, and I want to brew more new commanders. But the ones that I did brew are like literally my favorite decks that I built this year. But let's keep going. We have two sets left or like two yes, sort of like releases left. Yes. Uh, so <laughs> what did you pick for um, Baldur's Gate? For Baldur's Gate, for my first piece, uh, Descent into Avernus. I love me a Descent into Avernus. Again, another piece for the Cedrus Treasures deck. It's hey, just... remember when you um, didn't want to run this card and I said you should run it and now it's your like one of your favorite cards from this year? Hey, remember when I told you to stop bullying me publicly? Maybe <laughs> you should do that. <laughs> I, I will stop, but this is like the quintessential example of... I don't know if I want to run this. And I was like, Chase, so, just trust me. Run it. <laughs> so 
the reason why I was hesitant to run it was because even after my seven years of magic experience, concept of your life total being a resource has never really been a comfortable thing sure. for me. I still okay. struggle with it. I I grip to that 40 life like like it's like it's my last bit. But I'm slowly coming down from that more and more as I have become um more comfortable in my deck building process. And so Descend into Avernus was something that I was like, ew, it hurts me. But now I'm like, I now I'm like, I need the pain to thrive. My Wooberg in <laughs> Christ, you are a burn player. Fair. <laughs> my Wooberg in Christ. Are you kidding me? This card is like absolutely absurd though. Like I I love this card oh, yeah. so much. Gets games moving too, because everyone gets burnt. Everyone oh, gets yeah. treasures. You're just probably going to burn your opponents a little bit more because you're running Reckless Fire Weaver. Just a teensy tiny bit or a Disciple of the Vault or yeah. a Nadir's Nightblade. Yeah. <laughs> what was your other card? Uh, my other card was Black Market Connections, which I mean, you know, I feel like that might be a cop out because it is like, in my opinion, it's the new basically library. the card. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is so good. It it literally makes the price of that party precon, mm -hmm. but it is so good. I love shout it. Shout out to the party precon for real, though. Shout out to the party precon for real. Yeah, it's just it's a good it's a good spell. I love though. I love that you don't have a choice, and I know that's a weird thing to say because you know typically commander players want uh, access to choice. I like that you don't get one. You get choice of how many options you choose, but once that card is out on the battlefield. Doesn't matter. You you got to do something. There's no may on that card. There's the word may does not exist. Yeah, yeah. At least have to lose the one and make a treasure. So like, at, it's so funny to just play this early game and you know and go. You know what? I'm taking. This Let's do six. it. Lose six life. Lose six. I've literally never seen someone not take the six almost every That's time. So fun. It's so fun to do. Just like a lot of people these days, they don't even look at the extra cards from Sylvan Library. They're just like, take the eight snap it i don't even yep. need to see these it's cards <laughs> life is a resource baby <laughs> the, on, the only life totals that matter are zero and not zero. Oh my god ambulance but not, not for, for me, me. <laughs> you're, you're making me slowly become comfortable with the concept of like life is a resource and i think black market connections and descent into avernus are two very interesting choices from this set that have both kind of reflect that theme i've noticed yeah, I'm, I'm here for a good time, not a long time. Come on. <sighs> what about you? What are your choices? I I picked two big dumb Timmy cards because secretly Baldur's Gate was a big dumb Timmy set for me. Yes. So I picked Majestic Genesis, which is um, Genesis Wave, but hard set for your commander's mana value. I just thought it was cool that there were a whole bunch of cards this year. And even the end of last year uh, in Innistrad that cared about the mana value of your commander. And got better the higher the mana value of your commander. Because we've seen so much I, stuff yeah. that is just like the most efficient commander. Like everything, everything's a four drop nowadays or a three drop and has like seven lines of text and draws you cards and has keywords and all this kinds of stuff. There wasn't really a reason to run big, dumb, expensive Timmy commanders anymore. I like seeing more cards that tell you play that big spell. Play that big, dumb commander. Speaking of big, dumb Timmy card for big, dumb Timmy players, this is like yeah. one, one of my favorite cards. My other card is Legion Loyalty. Jesus, of course it is. Uh, this card is insane in my Geared deck. This card is uh, the the reason why I built Jetmere in the first place. 
because yeah. I wanted to animate my lands and attack with them so that the lands would have myriad. It's just, it's so grody. It's so grody. It's so fun. I've seen it do so many things. Because again, you, imagine this with ETBs, with like Catherine's yeah. Crusade, exactly. Altar of the Brood. I mean, it just, oh. <laughs> but let's let's talk about our last set real quick and um, and finish up. I have a controversial opinion. Yeah. Yes. I have looked it. at the entirety of Brothers War. I've looked at it. I can look at the set and I can appreciate the set for what it is. It is a very interesting set. It's a very flavorful set. I think there's a lot of very interesting and fun things within this set. Do I have a card that I really like from the main set? No. I could not find a single one that I was like, I love this. Couldn't. And I also felt like that when I bought the product too, because I bought a box. I was sent a box. I was bought. I bought a box. Um, and nothing really hit for me within there. And I felt really bad about that. It's not that the set is bad because I don't think it's bad. I don't feel the same way about Brothers War that I do Infinity. But it just nothing really hit for me. And you know what? Sometimes that happens. That's, and yeah, that is fine. an okay cool. thing. <laughs> the like the set booster exclusive cards and the commander set itself were very cool and had a lot of very cool cards. But I think we I picked agree. three set booster exclusive cards for our <laughs> other cards. Because they were that cool. Yeah. Like, they're awesome. Yeah, they were. What what did you pick? I picked two because I couldn't decide because I really like both of them. Uh card number one is Sardian Avenger, which is a fun little goblin. Hates on treasures. Quite a, yes, because it hates on treasures. It is literally like, what if I punished people for running value? Mm -hmm. um, he says, whenever he attacks, he gets X zero until end of turn where X is the number of artifacts your opponents control. Whenever an artifact an opponent controls is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, he deals one damage to that player. And I love this card because when he hits the battlefield, your opponents have to immediately, when you cast it, your opponents have to immediately crack all their treasures because they can't do it after he hits the battlefield because they're going to take... Ping, 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 ping. Or they're going to take one big punch to the face. Because <laughs> guess what? This guy also has Trample, which mm -hmm. is so cool. And it's just a two-mana 1-1. One, one. He's so fun. First strike, too. I just really look at this card, and it brings me a lot of joy. Um, because I think this is the beginning of us seeing a lot of um, anti -treasure, of treasure hate. Yes, exactly. This was the year of magic, treasure. Next year is the year of hating on treasure. Yes, and I love it, love it, love it, love it. Uh, the second card uh, was actually one that you showed me originally. You put me onto it. Uh, yeah, I told, I showed you how ridiculous this card could be. Yes, you did. Uh, Root Path Purifier, uh, lands you control and land cards in your library are basic. That just solves the the issue of me failing to find in Gitrog Monster. Mm -hmm. And that's it. It's just so good for lands decks for Gitrog. I'm obsessed. Like I look at this. I bought. I bought it the day day I could, and I slotted it into Gitrog, and I'm like, hands, it's amazing. I'm so, I'm in love with this card. It's just so fun. The reason why this card is so cool is because it fundamentally changes how every deck functions yeah, when yeah, you put it in there. Yeah, it literally it doesn't it doesn't flow with the deck. It changes the entirety of the deck, which is so sick. I love it. Your cultivate gets you Urborg and coffers. Yeah, yeah. Like, what's not to love? Well, it, not even that. My cultivate gets me my win con. My cultivate gets me that Dakmore salvage. Actually absurd. Oh my gosh. It is. It has literally streamlined this deck so much. So much. You put me on this. This this is my big dumb green card for the <laughs> for the choice. See, like, we're ending on such a high note that I don't even want to talk about the Archimandrite. It's a cool card. No, but not as cool do as it. this is one of those cards that I keep thinking about building because it's like life gain but burn, but 
beats with monks and stuff like that. But Ruthpath Purifier is such a cool card that like I just oh yeah my head's stuck on it. Let's <laughs> cut the tape. Yep, let's get to it. Yeah, no, nah, this year as there's been a lot of cards, but they've been like some of the coolest cards we have ever seen. Oh yeah. Okay. And like the fact, you know, where they're doing the whole casual play design thing, you're like really starting to feel their impact on Commander, on Magic, and just all of that kind of stuff in general. And it makes me really hopeful and really optimistic and really excited for the future. All right, everybody, thank you so much for watching Bad at Magic. If you don't know who I am, my name is Chase, also known as Mana Curves. I'm a Commander content creator, streaming Paper Commander and Commander deck building on my Twitch channel, which is Mana Curves. You can also find me writing articles about Commander for Star City Games, and you can also catch me on Twitter at Mana Curves, where I just talk about everything I love about magic, my life, and uh, dumb little things that bring me joy. And I'm at EK Plays Cards on all the things. I work behind the scenes with all of your favorite Commander content creators like Sheev and Bot and the Casual Magic Podcast and Alien Olivia and Elder Dragon Hijinks. So if you support them, you're supporting me. You can find this podcast on all of your favorite podcast platforms that you're listening to right now. Or if you're listening to it on Spotify or Stitcher or wherever, we're on YouTube as well. And the whole visual, everything like that. So... Make sure to leave a like, a comment, subscribe to the YouTube channel, all that kind of stuff. And we'll see you next week.